Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Father, we thank you for your presence. Don't let it be a common thing to us. Let us remain in awe. that you would be with us in a tangible way. Mm. Lord, bless us this morning. In Jesus' name. You know, I said this a few weeks ago. I've been studying these messages to the seven churches probably since before I was in double digits of age. So that, that probably is more than 40-some years. And this is... Uh, I, I, I have to thank the Lord that he's, he's giving me more this time around uh, than, than ever. Uh, things are, are becoming much more clear in what he's saying uh, to the church, not just to these seven churches uh, that were in Asia in the first century. But I, I believe that one of the things that he's doing, having uh, led me into teaching out of Revelation 2 and 3, putting this in context of of where we've been for uh, a couple months, uh, and and the, the idea of having a solemn assembly uh, in this city I I believe what he's doing is he's showing us the need for a solemn assembly in this city. He's he's showing us that that we are not exempt from the need for that. That, in fact, we, we are part of the need. So that we must get out, out of what the Lord is saying to us now out of Revelation 2 and 3. And to, to put it more bluntly, we are part of the problem. Uh, we're, we're not exempt from this. And I, I was reading about a... <clears throat> a Korean missionary this week in, in World Magazine. This, this man lived uh, some time ago. But he, he was, was saying, you know, if, if you see that Reformation is needed, 
then you have to become that reformation. Or, or it will not happen. So anyone can, can see uh, a need for change in, in the church today in, in America or in Europe or in, in, in many places. Uh, but just to see the need for change is not really very helpful for bringing the church into reformation. It, it, it is only helpful when we become what's needed individually and, and then corporately. So I, I really believe that, that that is the big message that, that the Lord is, is speaking to us as we specifically look at, at these seven letters to, to the seven churches in, in Revelation 2 and 3. So I, I hope that, that that helps put this in a personal context for, for us. Because uh, if, if you're not being confronted by some of the things that I've been saying these last few weeks, then I pray that your ears will be opened. Because I'm being confronted by some of these things. And we all have need to be confronted by some of these things. We, we really do. And uh, the, the letter that we're looking at today, and if you remember at the end of the message last week, there, there was some good stuff that I didn't get to that I wanted to share. <laughs> well, never fear. It, it's part of this letter. So <laughs> there, there was good reason that I didn't get to it last week because it, it's a, a primary focus of, of this letter also. As we look at these letters, we, we have to be willing to hear what the Son of God is saying to us individually and, and as a church. Because if you have a red-letter Bible, Revelation 2 and 3 are red because the Son of God is speaking to us. He was speaking specifically to seven literal churches in the first century, but he has been speaking these same words to the church for 2,000 years. And we are as in need of what he was saying as those people were 2,000 years ago, who he was saying it to initially. Um, in, in the previous letter, the letter to the church at per Pergamos, uh, <clears throat> There was a warning for those who did not repent. And if you remember, it, it was, well, let's just read it. In verse 16 of chapter 2 of Revelation, 
Jesus says, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The discipline of the Lord is nothing to make light of. Okay? Because this, this attitude that, that we have in the American church, that we can pick and choose what to obey and what not to obey in God's ways and, and his word, this, this is specifically what the letter to Thyatira is, is getting at. And it, it has a lot, there's a lot of overlap in, in the problems between the church at Pergamos and, and the, the church at Thyatira, and they were fairly close geographically to, to one another as well. But the, the idea that those people in, in Pergamos who, who had fallen into the teaching of Balaam and, and the Nicolaitans and, and had gotten involved in disobedience, idolatry, and sexual immorality, the idea that if they did not repent, that the Son of God was going to come to them with the sword of his mouth... That would strike fear into the hearts of these people who had a, a clear Old Testament, Old Covenant understanding of God. And, and we, we too should shudder at, at those very words because the, those same words are, are repeated at the end of Revelation and it's about when the Son of Man comes and destroys the disobedient nations. He's going to do it with the sword of his mouth. And for, for the Son of God, who we, we like to look at as, as the loving, gracious, merciful Jesus, who was meek and is so loving and kind, for, for him to say both of those things, let those who have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's, this, this is serious stuff. When, when the Son of God brings correction to us, we, yes, we have two options. But one, he is showing to be highly undesirable. And, and that undesirable one is to, to hear and not do anything about it. And say, well, that really, I don't really agree with that theology. You know, that, that doesn't really fit with with what I believe. And, and then our heart just, it becomes a bit harder. 
And, and every time we say no to the Spirit of God, our heart becomes just a little bit harder. And it becomes a little more difficult for Him to get through to us. So that we, we get to the place where the only thing that can get through to us is the discipline of God. And read about the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity. If, if you want to see the discipline of God coming to his people. He, he uses really evil people to do that many times. So we, we need desperately in these times to, to cultivate a heart like David. That when the Lord says, uh-uh-uh, we fall down and say, yes, Lord. We, we, we don't want to have to get to the place where he has to discipline us. So, the Christian life, truly, is, is all about coming more and more into agreement with God, his truth, what he says, what is on his heart, and it is coming out of our old agreement with the God of this world and everything that we think the world has taught us in life up to now. That, that is the Christian life. And, and, and the more we turn our back on that and embrace this, that is the road to maturity. Uh, John Wimber used to say, the, the way in is the way on. We, we come into the kingdom by being confronted with the truth that, that there is a God, that he came to earth in the form of Jesus, died for us, paid for all of our sins before we ever even thought about him, and, and, and that he freely offers us forgiveness if we just receive what he did for us. And, and we, we agree with that, and we turn our back on whatever stuff the Lord is leading us out of at that moment in our lives. And, and we continue on in the same manner. Giving up whatever thing the Lord is shining his light on at the moment and embracing the truth that he's showing us. And, and that is the Christian life. So, on to Thyatira. If I were to title this message, I would call it Tolerating Jezebel. I've encountered Jezebel in my life. 
in spiritual warfare, uh, there, there is a, a spirit named Jezebel who, who loves to take over churches. There, there are a number of aspects of Jezebel, not all of which are always present in the manifestation that, that you may be looking at, but uh, generally... It's a, a dominating, gifted woman, uh, many times who hates men for whatever reason, but wants to be in control and seeks to have passive leaders who can be led and eventually controlled. And uh, given my own experience in spiritual warfare with this spirit, I have a pretty good idea that that this is exactly what the Son of God is talking about was happening in this church in, in Thyatira. The, the true prophetic ministry will never approve of anything that is not 100% God's way. And that is the prophetic ministry that we seek. And that's, that's what I seek to operate in when, when I speak to you. A false prophetic ministry can make us feel okay where we are out of alignment with God. So if, if you've received any prophetic ministry that let you feel okay about yourself and where you are, when you're out of alignment with God, that was false prophetic ministry. And that's the kind of ministry that the Son of God is talking about in this letter. So let's, let's go ahead and look at it. It's actually the longest of all the letters, even though it still is fairly short. We'll start in Revelation 2, verse 18. And to the angel, the representative, possibly the pastor leader of the church in Thyatira, write, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like polished, burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. That's a, that's a really good and positive commendation. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent. 
of her immorality. Behold, or attention, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is from the one who has eyes like flames of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Uh, like the the one who visited Daniel. Daniel saw a similar image, very likely, of the Son of God. Let's start with the commendation, because this, this is good, this is important. We want to know the things that the Lord approves of, the, the things that he praises people for. Am I right? <laughs> because we, we want to be doing those things that, that Jesus says, these, this is good, this is good. And it was very good that they were doing more of these things recently as they received this letter than they had been doing in the beginning. That is evidence of Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. They, at least some in Thyatira, were getting somewhere with the Lord. Because he said of those that he, would, he, he, he didn't want to place any other burden upon them than, than to continue in, in their faithfulness. And, and this, this was their faithfulness. I know your deeds, your love and faith and service and perseverance. So love is the first deed. Well, that, that shouldn't be surprising. When one of the religious leaders came to Jesus and asked what was the most important commandment, what was his reply? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Because on those two commandments depended all the law and the prophets. And just a little reminder, we, we spoke about love a few weeks ago. 
The love that God is talking about is not the same as just being nice. Remember? The love that God is talking about here is commitment to one another. Commitment to one another's good. Commitment to one another's growth. And if, if we love one another, if we are committed to one another and committed to one another's growth, then we will learn to speak the truth in love when we see someone veering off track a little bit. And believe me, we all need that from time to time. We, we all have a tendency to get off track. And if that, if that is allowed to go on for too long, we, we can end up seriously off track. So that's what Jesus is talking about, that, that kind of love. Faith. The second thing he commends them for Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is hearing God speak and then obeying. That's faith. It's that simple. They were doing that. Which is why they were going on with God. Which is why their recent works were greater than their first works. Because they were, they were in that pattern. And, and their service. And this was Jesus' example of, of serving. In John 13, starting in verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, this is after the Last Supper, you also should wash one another's feet. Which means serving one another in the lowly, even the undignified the things that you do that nobody really notices and nobody praises you for and pats you on the back for. That's what Jesus is talking about. He washed their feet. And he was the son of God. And now what else does he say? I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things about serving, you will be blessed if you do them. So my wife is not here this morning because she's doing the lowly, the uncomely task uh, of serving in the nursery. We have other people 
who need to be blessed in this body by serving in the nursery. You know, I, I, I joked with, with Joy this morning, you know, maybe it would get people's attention if I served in the nursery one Sunday and I didn't get anybody else to teach. Well, where's Jay? He's in the nursery. <laughs> Enough said. Okay. But Sylvia has been in the nursery half the Sundays in the last two months. And I got to tell you, church, that's not right. Okay. Now enough said. So, their recent deeds were more than at first, they were growing in maturity. And, and this is the really interesting thing about this letter. You've you got some really good things happening in Thyatira, obviously. Jesus commends them for their, their love, their faith, their serving, their, their perseverance, and their growing works. But in the midst of that, there, there was some bad stuff going on in Thyatira. And we, we have to understand a little bit of the background of, of this city, because it was kind of a unique city in, in the seven. It was one of the smaller cities, and it was pretty well controlled by trade guilds. And I, I really like how David Pawson uh, describes these guilds. He, he says, the city was run by guilds, kind of a combination of a trade union, a chamber of commerce, and a Freemason's lodge. That's, that's, that's a pretty good picture. And if you wanted to survive in commerce in Thyatira, you had to be a member of, of one of these guilds. And while the trade union and the chamber of commerce may not sound so bad, it was the aspects that were like the Freemasons that caused a lot of the problems. Because... You know, there, there were these, these secret meetings and, and secret initiations and celebrations and some of those secret rituals and some of those celebrations involved worshiping idols and eating meat sacrificed to idols and all kinds of sexual immorality that was practiced in, in those rituals. So if, if you were going to survive in the business world in Thyatira, you, you were a member of, of one of those guilds. And if you came to Jesus, 
Now you had a decision to make. Well, can I be this and still do that? And Jezebel has a prophetic word for you. You must know the darkness in order to be a light in the darkness. Ooh. See, there, there's this mention of, of knowing the deep things of Satan. We, we don't know exactly what Jesus is speaking into. But... There, there are those who believe that the deep things of Satan, that, that there was actually a teaching in, in this, this body in, in Thyatira, that, that you had to, to know the depths of sin in, in order to really receive the grace of God and, and forgiveness. Man, we, we can get really messed up, can't we? You know, it, it could have been something as, as simple as, well, we got, you've got to be practical here. I mean, th this is Thyatira. We're, we're, we're not in Smyrna. We're, we're not in Ephesus. You, you, can, you can be a Christian there and, and not have to do all this stuff. But in, in Thyatira, if, if you're going to survive, you, you, you've got to do this. I mean, they'll, they'll practically run you out of the city if, if you don't be a member of, of one of these guilds. So... That's what the Son of God is, is speaking into here. Fill in the blank. But in America, we have to... That, that doesn't work in America. We, we have to... Or, you know, that, that works fine in... Warland and, and in Rapid City, but in Cheyenne, do, do we have any thinking like that? I think we probably do. And, and the Lord has to show us what, what that looks like. See, I, I know that the, the way we practice Christianity in America doesn't work in a lot of parts of the world. So, is something wrong with them or with us? You know, there's, there's, there's aspects... Of, of the Christian life that, that are supposed to be present in all of us as, as followers of Jesus. 
And Jesus mentions a few of those in, in this letter. You know, I, I commend you for your, your love, your faith, your, your service, your, your perseverance, and, and your, your works. You're, you're entering into those good works that I've prepared in advance for, for you to do. Um, are, are we seeking first the kingdom of heaven? Or are we distracted by other things? And we, and we think about the kingdom of heaven at, at opportune times like this. The kingdom advances when we seek first the kingdom. And we, we give it time in in our thoughts, in, in our daily routine. And when we're present to the kingdom of God as, as we live our life day to day. But if, if, we're, if we're not seeking first the kingdom of heaven, then we're not giving God much opportunity to advance his kingdom through us. And, and there, there are so many things that, that we can be distracted by. You know, I, I really think, and, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself, okay, because I'm, I'm really giving you the benefit of my own conviction that I've been through this week right now, Okay. What are we distracted by? Where, where is your focus? There's, there's a need. There's, there's a need for a spiritual awakening right here in our city. There's, there's a need for the kingdom to advance in our city. It Partially, it, it depends on us. Now, God will do what he's going to do. But we can choose to be his instrument, or he can look elsewhere. Because he will work through human instruments. Be sure of that. And if, if something in our theology... Is, is making us feel okay about not seeking first the kingdom of heaven, then I think we've listened to Jezebel a little bit. Because we, we, we need, the world needs, for the followers of Jesus to to have a missionary mindset that that we indeed are foreigners living temporarily in in a foreign land where people need what we have 
and they don't know it. I, I was also watching something on uh, on a video this this week about a missionary who was in Indonesia, and also reading an email from the missionary that we support in Indonesia. Uh, so he was going to the farthest island that, that he visits and really needed some prayer. You see, those guys, they don't have any choice. But for the kingdom of heaven to be right here. <laughs> because, you know, there, there, there's no normal routine. There, there, there's no getting comfortable at home and putting your feet up and watching TV for an evening. There, there isn't any of that. They, they are in an offensive posture all the time. The reality is that we should be living the same way. Because we are actually citizens of heaven with the Holy Spirit within us. And, and we're, we're temporarily on, on this earth with, with a mission to, to do the works of Jesus. And, and this is what he commends the church at, at Thyatira about. There, it's verse 25. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And he who overcomes, and he who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces." as I also have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it was, it was somewhat easier for me six years ago when, six and a half years ago when we launched this church, it was somewhat easier for me to to have a missionary mindset than it is now. Because now I I've got a lot of people to look after and and help. And so it's it's more difficult for me to focus on the evangelistic side of things. Because, you know, all, all of you need help and lots, lots of different things uh, throughout any given week. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. It's part of what I'm called to. But there, there is a calling for all of us to, to be missional in, in our thinking and in our living. And, and so 
I, I encourage us to, to do that. Yeah, that. That really wasn't even where I was headed with, with this, but I, I think that's part of what the Lord was saying today. Now, the, the teaching of, of Jezebel, what was that in, in the first century? Well, we, we know a couple of the aspects of it. It involved idolatry. It involved sexual immorality. Somewhat similar to the teaching of Balaam that the church at Pergamos had, had fallen into. It, it really is a, a spirit of compromise. A spirit of expediency of passivity can even be a spirit of rebellion. And I, I think it manifests itself to, to the church today in a certain way primarily. And this, this is what I had meant to talk about last week, but I I got to finish with this today. It, it stems, I think, from one verse in Romans 6. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Now, what does that mean? And, and, and I think we all have to ask ourselves that question and, and consider it deeply. What, what does it mean to me to not be under the law, but to be under grace? Does, does it mean that when God asks me to do something and I don't really want to do it, so I don't do it because there's grace. Is that what that means? Now many of us are shaking our heads no, but is that what you really believe? And, you know, I... I don't like saying all this to you. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I've had to look inwardly through this stuff myself. Well, if there are times that God asks me to do something and I don't do it, and I have to admit to you that there are those times, what is the root of that? Because it, it's, it's not okay. Do, do you hear me? Uh, there, there's something wrong <laughs> with, with us, I, I think. I don't think it's just me. I, I really don't. What, what is it? it? And there's something that it's deep within us that causes us to think that, that we can get by with that. Because the next verse, 
Romans 6.15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And Paul says, no way. That's not what I'm saying. But that's what I just shared with you. Because to hear the voice of God and not do what he says, is, is there any better definition of sin than that? I, I submit, no, there, there isn't. So what is it deep within us that causes us to think that we can live that way and still be the people of God? There, there is wrong thinking somewhere. And I think it has something to do with this Jezebel teaching. It goes all the way back to Thyatira. Jezebel would say, we're not under the law, but under grace. So we can choose how we want to live. And God's grace will cover us. I think we have a deep misunderstanding of what it means to not be under the law. I, I think that's the root of this. We, we are not under the law as a way to find our salvation. We're, we're not under the law. For, for that because we, we can't get there from here with, with the law and after I share this with you you might want to read the book of Galatians because Paul gets into a lot of detail about this see to to be the people of God is, is to live according to his ways. And, and his ways are revealed in the teachings of Moses and in, in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not trying to take us into some new legalism today. But we've, we've got to understand that to live by the Spirit, which is what we're called to in the New Covenant, doesn't give us license to live outside of God's ways. We're not under... The curse of the law, we're not under the condemnation of the law anymore because of what Jesus did for us. But that doesn't mean we can live any way we please. And that's specifically what Paul is trying to speak against right here even though verse 14 is often used as a justification for that. 
If we truly live by the Spirit, then we will fulfill the heart of the law. But again, how much of our day, your day, my day, is, is spent truly living in the Spirit? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like this is one of those messages that creates more questions than answers. And I don't apologize for that because as I look at the way Jesus taught, I think that was the case most of the time for him. I think maybe the main thing that the Lord is saying today is, or doing today, is, is to get us uncomfortable with where we are. Because until we're uncomfortable with where we are, the likelihood of our changing is slim. We, we've we've got to become, become uncomfortable with where we are in, in order to move on. Particularly if we think there's a need for reformation in how we do church and, and what all this looks like. See, to be the people of God is, is to live according to his ways and, and it, it is to represent him well. And, and we absolutely need the grace of God to do that because the grace of God is, is his supernatural empowering to do it. To, to live his way. It, it, it's, his, his grace is not some uh, get-out-of-jail-free card that, that we carry... Because we prayed a prayer once. His mercy is what we seek when we've done wrong. And he is full of mercy. Now, let's get back to kind of what I started with. My desire... And I'm sure God's desire is today is not to bring any of us under condemnation. Instead, it is to move us toward having a heart like David. That when God shines his light on something in us, that is not pleasing to him, we, we don't close ourselves off and run be, because we don't want to be corrected. 
we, we say, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, and we're, we're on our knees asking him to change our thinking to be like his and change our living to be like his so that we can represent him well. He, he doesn't want to move us in, into some kind of uh, flagellation, you know, of beating ourselves up and <laughs> paying penance for, you know, making ourselves pay. J- Jesus paid everything. So we, we don't have to put ourselves through some, some time of separating ourselves from God so that we can feel bad enough to come back to him to repent and, and then things be made right again. That all is just a waste of time. And when, we're, when we put ourselves in, in that kind of a condition, we we become much more likely to continue to sin. As we, we have this idea, well, I'm separated from God anyway. I might as well do this too. And, well, maybe that too. And, well, a couple more days isn't going to hurt anything. And, yeah, you see where that goes. That's why we need the heart of David to just say, yes, Lord. And so Jesus promised to the overcomers. We, we really need our minds renewed. We really need to think more like God thinks and less like the world thinks. If we're going to be overcomers, so we, we need him to heal us. We, we need him to shine his light in, into our hearts, in, into our thinking, so that we can be corrected. See, here, here is, this is really what Jesus was talking about when, when the little kids came to him in, in Matthew. And the, the disciples, you know, who were kind of his protectors, they said, oh, no, don't get those kids out of here. He's, he's way too important for little kids. Come on. He's, he's got important people to see. That's why we're with him. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? He said, oh, those kids come. In fact, you guys, none of you, no, nobody, can even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you come like one of these. And good children receive correction. And they change, or they keep getting correction, or they have bad parents. Right? God's a really good parent. If he says something once, you think he's going to change his mind? No, <laughs> he doesn't change. So 
we got to stop looking at ourselves as these mature adults that we think we are and look at ourselves more like kids who really don't know anything and we need correction. That's how we enter the kingdom of heaven. More and more. And so, maybe that's uh, how, how we end this thing. Uh, is, you know, be, be more like kids. Be his kids. Who, who just want to be with him. Who, who want to please him above all else. Who, who, who want his pleasure uh, above all else. And, 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 and we're willing to be molded in, into what he wants us to be. And, and willing to change. So, Lord, that, that is my prayer for, for us as, as a body. I pray, Father, that you would bless us with hearts that are like children. I, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us with soft hearts, that just desire to please you and to show you our love. So we, we have so much to be grateful for. And Father, I, I, I bless us with renewed minds. God, heal our hidden theology. Of, of the wrong things that we have seen over and over and we've developed hidden theology through it, God, correct us and, and heal our thinking. And I, I pray that you would protect this body from the Jezebel spirit. I pray that you would Protect us from her thinking, from her ways, from her theology. I pray that you would give us a pure prophetic ministry in this body. In Jesus' name. And so the way Jesus ends this He says, and he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. That authority over the nations speaks back to Psalm 2 starting in verse 8, 
where God says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And he says, I will give you the morning star. He will give us himself. In Revelation 22, at the very, very end, this is what the Son of God says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you, John, to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. That's what we have to look forward to. So go be his kids, will you? 